The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. There has never been a Christian history uh, that has been uh, written in an academic way uh, so that you can use this as something of a textbook for seeing Australia's Christian history. So let's mel- welcome our special guest through this hour. His name is Mike Spencer. Hello, Mike. Welcome to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thanks very much for having me here. Now, Mike, we've got to clear the air on something very special uh, right from the very start here, uh, because some people will say, we are talking about Australia's Christian history, but the accent that I can hear has a slight twang to it. It's a Kiwi (laughs) accent. Uh, Let's talk about you for a moment, uh, because you've been writing curriculum for Australian schools and New Zealand schools, but for uh, many years you've been a teacher in New Zealand, a Kiwi writing the Australian Christian history. Some people might think that's a bit strange, a bit odd, but uh, but you've put your hand to the plough, and uh, I've got to say thank you so much for all the work that you've put in. But tell me about yourself, uh, your history in New Zealand, and, of course, your writing of this new book. Well, Neil, that's the first question Aussies always ask me. How come a Kiwi gets to write a book on Australian history? And I always like to say, well, if Cole Stringer can write a book on New Zealand's Christian heritage, then I can write a book on Australia's <laughs> Christian heritage. Okay, there's um, been a bit of a competition going. <laughs> but that, no, seriously, though, Neil, um, I was asked probably about 10 years ago if I could write a series of units on Australian history for the company I work for, which is such, such, Southern Cross Educational Enterprises. And so I said I would, and I ended up writing 12 study units, which were used in ACE schools right around Australia, still are being used today. And that was a a total eye-opener to me because when I wrote that book and I... For the first time, I really became aware of how God is, has such an important place in human history and how Australia's history in particular was so influenced by Christianity and by God over the years. And I thought, this material is just fantastic. This, you know, Every Christian in Australia needs to read this. And so I thought, well, the best way we could do that would be to put it into a book format. Well, that was about 10 years ago, and it's taken quite a long time, but Today, the book is here, it's available, and it's a Christian history of Australia from the Ten Commandments and the biblical background and the British background, too, I might say. It looks at Australia's Christian heritage from from the British perspective, too, and then right up to the present day, right up to 2014. How surprised were you doing that research and discovering that there wasn't a formal history book for Australia's Christian history that was available for people in schools and in universities to be able to access at the at the touch of uh, fingertips, to be able to flick to pages and actually get a representation of that, that must have been quite a challenge. And I'm sure there'd be listeners who'd be saying, well, you know, why hasn't there been a great academic Christian history of Australia up until now? 
I can't really answer that, Neil. I don't know. I, I was very much aware of that. There have been lots of books written of, of portions of Australian Christian history, but never a concise, comprehensive history of Australia from a Christian perspective. And uh, I'd like to say that although you know I, I did write it originally as a school as school resource. I've written it in a way I hope that will be very readable and accessible to the general public as well. So it's not a dry academic textbook by any stretch of the imagination. And it's got many, many illustrations. It's full colour. It's hardback. It's got many, over 400 illustrations in it, photographs, maps, cartoons, etc., etc. So it's a very attractive book and it's come up very well. You know, Mike, I get to talk to all sorts of people who've got all sorts of stories and we talk about history and Australia's Christian history quite regularly on the 2020 program. And the idea that there are gaps in the way that we think about our Christian history is sometimes just quite uh, overwhelming. And the thought that, because people tend to, uh, they tend to interpret history now through secular eyes, and because we haven't had a book like yours, it's almost as though the Christian history hasn't mattered. And yet, it is the Christian history and the presence of the Bible that has shaped our culture as it is today. Uh, when you've written your book, One People, One Destiny, uh, how much have you seen that the Bible and that Christian heritage has shaped our culture? Oh, very definitely. Um, the events of the past actually define who we are today, and we need to have confidence in what God has done in the past. If we have confidence in what God has done in the past, then this is going to prepare us for the future. You know, history is his story. It's it's the story of God's dealings with mankind. And and I think in many cases, we tend to think of, of history or Christianity as, as, as a, more or less a footnote to, to history. Now, Christianity is not a footnote to history. Christians are history makers, and we need to be history makers. And every person who's listening to this broadcast today is a history maker. If you're a Christian, you can make history, even if it's just through prayer, through raising a godly family, through doing acts of service. You can be a history maker. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord says in Deuteronomy that the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. And this is what we are, and this is what I want to encourage Christians in Australia to be, to rise up and to accept the challenge. Um, I'm drawn to a poem by, by a little-known poet called William Gay, and I actually quote it in the book. And he said that we need to rise up penitent, one people united, serving God. And, and that's where I get the title from the book from, One People, One Destiny. That's my vision for Australia. One people, one destiny, serving God, making a difference. Well, Mike, listeners will undoubtedly be able to hear the passion in your voice as you talk about these things. And I want to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation today. If you've got a question about Australia's Christian history, perhaps uh, even some observations or some understandings that you might have that you'd like to share, why don't you feel free to make a call? Our talkback line is open, 1-800-880-0876. If you'd like to participate in our conversation today, our special guest is Mike Spencer. He's author and historian. His brand new book is being launched today. It's called One People, One Destiny. It's a Christian history of Australia. Uh, Mike, when we talk about history and the idea of appreciating history, 
uh, without an appreciation of history, uh, then, as you say, we don't have a context in which to understand who we are today or even where we're going into the future. For you, how do you actually nurture that appreciation for history? I guess it starts with reading something, but, but that appreciation, if you're not such a history buff, how do you get an appreciation for history? By reading the book, <laughs> as I did when I wrote it. When I wrote the book and I researched the material and I came across all these fantastic stories of men and women of God who'd impacted Australian history, it gave me a terrific tremendous appreciation of his story of God's workings in Australia and basically you need you know you need to read and don't be put off if in the past you've um, I know many many people say oh when I was at school oh history was so boring it was so dry I hated it but this is not what we're talking about now this is this is a really good book it's um, and it's 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 well worth getting and, and having in your library and reading. I know people already, and it's only been out for a short time, I know people already who have read it from cover to cover and who are really wrapped in it. Look, let me come back to your uh, New Zealand roots here because uh, there is something of an appreciation in our history that there are some crossovers. There are some common things that we have uh, in history, Australia and New Zealand. Of course, uh, talking about Samuel Marsden mm. uh, because he was originally in Australia and then... Uh, went to New Zealand and took the gospel to New Zealand. Tell me the Samuel Marsden story in a nutshell because uh, that just uh, cements the idea that we're talking about uh, you being a Kiwi, writing the Australian Christian history, or we've got such great links, of course, when we talk about the Anzacs, Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Uh, This is something that we have uh, as rich roots together. But tell me about Samuel Marsden. Samuel Marsden took the gospel to New Zealand and preached the first sermon in New Zealand on the beach on Christmas Day of 1814. So this year is the bicentenary of the coming of the gospel to to New Zealand. Now, it's interesting because Samuel Marsden has actually um, had quite a bad press in Australia in comparison to New Zealand, where he has called the Maori people in New Zealand, called him Great Heart, and he is known as the Apostle to New Zealand. And in Australia, he's more commonly known as the flogging parson, which is not, well, it is true. It is true. He was a magistrate and he did sentence people to being flogged. But, but that was the common punishment. That was the, what they did in those days. That was the punishment. And I think Marsden, it all, you know, I want to reinstate Marsden in Australia here because he was an evangelical Christian. He was a great man of God. Let me just tell you a little story about him. Um, he was going along one day and, and a convict had been convicted by his preaching and was in the water and was yelling out as though he was drowning. You know, his, his idea was to get Marsden to come and rescue him and then drown Marsden. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Marsden got into the water to rescue him, dragged him onto the shore and led him to the Lord. Now, that's, that's the man of God. Now, I can, I, so, I mean, although he did order floggings, I think that came, that was, as I say, it was the standard punishment. We, uh, you know, I don't think we should judge historical characters in terms of our politically correct perspective that we have today. Um, in those days, flogging was the punishment that they gave. And, and Marsden had a strong sense of, of the judgment, of justice of God. I mean, we, there's two sides to Christianity. There's the love side, and secular historians tend to focus on that love side and say, well, he didn't show much love when he sentenced people to be flogged. But there's also another side, too. There's the justice of God, the judgment of God. And Samuel Marsden had both those. We can identify with that as Christians. We know that God is a God of love, but we know that he's also a God of justice. And so 
when Marsden was sentencing people, he sentenced them to the common punishment of the time. Now, the more severe floggings, there has been some research lately that, that indicates that he may not actually personally have been responsible for sentencing people to the more severe floggings that they got. He has been blamed for it, but he possibly didn't actually order it. So Marsden was a great man of God. There's a, there's a quotation that's written uh, about him in, in a New Zealand um, biography, and it says, well, he was essentially simple-minded, honest, he was open-handed, almost prodigal with his time and his money. He looked with pity on the fallen and the lost. He often befriended convicts. He was extraordinarily generous towards those who disappointed him, even those who hated him. As he was always ready to admit, he could make mistakes from human weakness or from a lack of counsellors in times of trouble. So there you go. A good, a good portrait of Samuel Marsden. And you know what? There'll be some Aussies who probably wouldn't be so disappointed that uh, we sent a missionary off to New Zealand and uh, we sent you the flogging parson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what, a, what a rich character, though. And this is an interesting thing about history, too, is that we don't always have to sugarcoat the history because no. um, these personalities that helped shape Australia... Uh, just the very fact that there was a minister of the gospel who sat on the bench as a magistrate and administered justice. Of course, there are going to be people who'd look at that in a bad light. But there is a sense, isn't there, that that in itself demonstrates the impact of uh, even evangelical Christianity on early Australia, mm. that there was an administration of justice that mm. was coming from mm. the Christian heart. Mm. Yes, Marsden actually wasn't too keen on being a magistrate, but his friend, Governor Hunter, who was also a, an evangelical Christian, asked him to be, and so he did it basically as a favour to his Christian brother. So, yes, yeah. Now, there's lots of things that are very important in your book, uh, those foundations, and we do want to talk about those too. But uh, to talk about another little aside, uh, which may just stimulate a little bit of activity, uh, people might like to comment on things like this. Uh, there was something that was recently written about Ned Kelly, and he had some, uh, some uh, encounter with... Christian ministers of the gospel. And there's been some debate as to whether, in fact, Ned Kelly may have converted to Christianity <laughs> or at least made a something of a, a, a commitment in his heart before he died. Now, tell me about this particular aside. Well, there is the story of a, of a perhaps little-known um, pastor and missionary called John Brown Gribble. And he he was in Geraldry in New South Wales, and one day the Kelly gang came in to rob the town, and they stole, one of the gangs stole um, Brown's watch. Now Brown went and confronted Ned Kelly, and asked him if he could have his watch back. Now this took a lot of courage, and in fact, some people said that he talked with a stutter from that day on. Uh, <laughs> but he, he did. He confronted Ned Kelly, and and, he, and Ned Kelly actually returned his watch to him. And then, of course, um, there is a book by Kerry Medway which has been published recently. I haven't actually read it myself yet. I will, but I haven't read it yet. Called "Is Ned Kelly in Heaven?" and, and it talks about a Christian doctor called John Singleton who ministered to Kelly in his last days before he was hung. And there is a possibility, I don't know whether it's, whether it's fact, but there is a possibility that Kelly may have given his heart to the Lord before he died. The Big Issues and How They Affect You, 2020 on Vision. It's Neil Johnson with you on this Wednesday edition of 2020 and talking through a fascinating topic this hour. Our special guest is Mike Spencer, author and historian on an historic date because tonight... 
is the official launch of One People, One Destiny. It's a Christian history of Australia. So we're talking through issues of history today. You might like to be a part of our conversation. 1-800-880-876. Mike mentioned in the first uh, segment just a few minutes ago uh, when we were talking about history and the idea of not sugarcoating everything. Uh, your book is a Christian history of Australia, but you have filled in the gaps in many ways of what is a general history of Australia, but you're looking at it from the Christian perspective. When you've written your book, how does that then compare to other historians who've written histories of Australia but haven't written from a Christian perspective? Yes, I, I do fill in the gaps. I, I understand that everything that's happened in Australia is not Christian, and I'm not trying to Christianize the whole of Australian history. I do understand that many things happened that were, had nothing to do with Christianity, and in many cases may have been totally anti-Christian. But I do want to give honor where honor is due to the men and women of God who've labored over the years to, to work in their part of the vineyard in Australia here. And yes, um, the famous historian Geoffrey Blaney Uh, wrote a book called A Short History of Christianity recently, and I'd just like to share with you a quote out of that. He says that Christianity probably has been the most important institution in the world in the last 2,000 years. And Blaney goes on to list all of the aspects of modern Western society that have been impacted by Christianity. I'm not going to repeat the list here, but I I would mention things such as social welfare, health care, education, science, the role of women, the status of the family, the rise of capitalism and freedom of expression. Even our modern system of democratic government owes a lot to Christianity and its emphasis upon the equality of all men and women in God's sight. Well, we could take a long time to unpack uh, all of the issues in all of those areas that you just mentioned, and there might be a few questions or comments that might come from listeners. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. if you'd like to be a part of our conversation. Bill is at Bond Beach near Chelsea in Victoria. Hello, Bill. Welcome to 2020. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really enjoying your program. I was just saying to your um, producer that uh, I studied theology in college and... Um, hadn't actually come across a um, a book which um, which was written to cover the whole of uh, Christians' activity in Australia. Um, one, one thing I am interested in too is that um, when 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 Christians were coming to Australia with the with the convicts and that, I was just interested to to see that uh, with the industrialisation in in uh, in England, which um, which caused a lot of poverty and and. Uh, the, the people were put on hulks and things like that and then transported as, as convicts to Australia because they knocked off a, stole a loaf of bread or things like that. It was just interesting that historically Christians actually didn't stand up for issues of justice the same, same as Jesus did to stand by the oppressed and the exploited and things like that. And I was just interested to see that um, Christian, Christians have lacked to, to confront that injustice of transporting the oppressed and the the, the the, the convicts and that to Australia. So that was a, a little bit of a, I suppose, a bit of a, a shade on, on Christians not, not acting in terms of justice. Bill, let's just uh, hear a response from Mike, who yeah. uh, might have some, uh, some ideas about that, uh, that history pre-First uh, Fleet. Yes. We have to understand that um, the transportation was actually heavily influenced by evangelical Christians such as uh, John Newton and also William Wilberforce had a large part in it. Now, their idea was that they could take the gospel 
to Australia, and for that reason, Wilberforce was instrumental in appointing Richard Johnson as the first chaplain. Now, later on, of course, it became obvious that, that, that transportation was just not working. It was not good. And later on, Wilberforce actually campaigned quite strongly to end. In fact, many evangelical Christians later on campaigned quite strongly to end transportation. Wilberforce called New South Wales a nest of vipers. And so they did. So Christians were actively involved in campaigning to abolish transportation. Oh, thank you. The other, the other question I had too was with the, um, when, 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 when the convicts and, uh, Captain Cook, well, I think he was only a lieutenant, but they called him a captain. But anyway, when they first arrived here and then they, then they, then they started transporting the convicts here, it was just interesting that uh, we came into a land where, where it was already settled by our Aboriginal people, I suppose you could call them the, the Adam and Eve people of Australia sort of thing. And uh, we find that the, um, the, 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 the Christians and, the, and, and the, the people came in here they, they just spread themselves out, took the land and, and caused massive uh, oppression and injustice on the, on the first people of Australia that uh, God put here and, uh, and who, were, who were looking after wise stewardship of the land, wise stewardship of resources. They'd been here for thousands and thousands of years and we found that the church came in with, once again with the, um, uh, with the, with the leadership and the secular society and uh, they didn't seem to respect the... Uh, the, the, the first people that God had put in and they brushed them aside, pushed them aside there seemed to be a fair bit of injustice involved in that process. Would you mind commenting on that please and, and in terms of how Christians actually stood up for the, the, the representing of the oppressed and injustice being put yes. on the Aboriginal people. Yes, yes there was definitely a, a large amount of injustice of course the doctrine in those days was terrenarius. if you weren't actually cultivating the land and settled on the land um, then you didn't own the land. That was a commonly accepted doctrine of the time. Of course, by contrast, in New Zealand, where the Maori people were cultivating the land and had settled and were building villages and things, uh, there was a completely different scenario and they actually signed a treaty with the Maori people in New Zealand. But in Australia, that the Aboriginal people didn't seem to be settled, and so there was this mistaken idea, and it was a mistaken idea of terra nullius, and many of the early settlers uh, mistreated the Aboriginal people, but I would have to say that the missionaries did a lot to stand up for the Aboriginal people, as they did for the Māori people in New Zealand. They did a lot to stand up for the Aboriginal people and to try and save them. In fact, um, uh, in some cases they made mistakes, of course. George Arthur was an example in Tasmania where he rounded up the Aboriginal people and sent them to Flinders Island. Now, he, he was an evangelical Christian, and he did that to save the Aboriginal people from the white settlers who were abusing them and killing them. And... Um, Later on, he realized it had been a mistake, and he was very, very sorry for what he'd done. But he made a mistake. He was a Christian man, and he did what he could. And many, many Christian missionaries and work, social workers in Australia over the years did a lot to try and help the Aboriginal people. Bill from Bond Beach near Chelsea, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Oh, thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Thank you. It's interesting when we start getting into uh, Indigenous history and, of course, uh, the First Peoples, as we referred to our Indigenous Australians, because there are some black spots uh, in Australian history, uh, the way that the Aboriginals have been treated, Mike. Uh, but you bring up a very important point uh, that while there was a lot of mistreatment, a lot of the missionary stations actually became refuges uh, for Aboriginal people who were being hunted by white Australians. Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. And, and many Christian Aboriginal people would acknowledge today that it was the missionaries that saved them. Um, if it had, the missionaries hadn't 
done what they did to, to try and help the Aboriginal people, the Aboriginal people would have suffered a lot more and there would have been probably fewer, fewer of them than there are today. Um, I, I refer back to um, Professor Blaney again, Geoffrey Blaney again. Back in the 90s, he, he contrasted what he called the black armband view of history, which was the idea that the, you know, that the Europeans invaded Australia and they dispossessed the Aborigines and they treated them badly and everything. It's, it's a negative perspective. He, he contra- cross- contrasted that with what he called the ch- three cheers, the three cheers view, which looks at all the good things that happened in Australia. And, and this actually became known, this, this, con- this debate that he started off has become known as the history wars. And um, it still goes on today. Of course, Keith Winshuttle has taken a conservative viewpoint on this. And, and there are others who champion um, and believe that the Aboriginal people were, were, were very, very severely maltreated. Windshuttle argues that they were not quite so badly maltreated as perhaps we thought. Um, now Blaney actually made, made, the, made the comment back in the 1990s he said the black armband view of history might well represent the swing of the pendulum from a position that had been too favourable too self-congratulatory to an opposite extreme that is even more unreal and decidedly jaundiced. So there you have the history wars. <laughs> well, that is so fascinating to have an appreciation of those particular different views, the, the black armband view and the three, three cheers, cheers view. Yes. It's Neil Johnson with you on this Wednesday edition of 2020. Our special guest this hour, Mike Spencer, who is author and historian. His new book, which is being launched tonight, is called One People, One Destiny. Now, Mike, as I, uh, as I look at your book, it's slightly smaller than A4 size. Uh, it is a wonderful, glossy publication, 368 pages, more than 400 photos and diagrams, full index, uh, comprehensive bibliography. This truly is a document that you can use uh, in all levels of study when you're talking about Australia's history, let alone Australia's Christian history. But the fact that it is the Christian history of Australia is what makes it super special. Tell me about uh, how you've gone all out to make this a quality publication. Yes, well, we decided to print it in hardback and, and on glossy paper because we wanted we wanted something that will last, not something that's going to be around for a little while and then fall to pieces. We wanted a book that would last, that people can add to their library and it will last. People can use in schools, people can give to their friends and their family. And uh, there were originally, I originally wrote 12 study units, so I've divided the book up into 12 chapters. Okay, let's talk about an overview of the history. Uh, what do you describe uh, when you're talking about this is the way the flow of this book works? When I first started off, I thought there's no way, and in fact I've mentioned this already, I thought there was no way that we can understand Christianity or understand Australian history without having an appreciation of where it came from. And so I started off with the Ten Commandments. The, you know, the Ten Commandments are the foundation of Australian law. In fact, uh, the Chief Justice Cook back in the 1600s said if the judgments of Parliament aren't based on the Ten Commandments, then they're invalid. Now, um, I think our parliamentarians could do well to listen to that today, but um, that was the original position that, that, that 
the law was based on the Ten Commandments, on God's Ten Commandments. And so I start off by looking at the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses, and then I trace from there through British history with, with you know, the Magna Carta and the Bill of Rights and, and Alfred, King Alfred the Great and some of the great, and coming right up into the, um, the Reformation and then into the Great Awakening and John, John Wesley. And out of that, of course, came the evangelical pastors that came to Australia, the first four pastors that came to Australia or chaplains, actually chaplains that came to Australia were actually evangelical Christians. And you already mentioned in just a few minutes back when you mentioned William Wilberforce and you mentioned John Newton and Mm. people will know John Newton as the author of that great hymn, Amazing Grace, Mm. Uh, William Wilberforce. And of course, uh, there was also uh, the prime minister of the time, uh, Pitt, Mm. Prime Minister Pitt. And these guys, they were the ones who... Uh, decided that it would be Richard Johnson who would Mm. come to Australia. Now, this is significant because when you think of great figures of history like Wilberforce and Newton and Prime Minister Pitt, uh, their decision to send Richard Johnson wasn't just a, uh, oh, he'll do as a candidate. They had hand-selected this man Mm. to bring the gospel to Australia with the First Fleet. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Johnson was a... um was an evangelical Christian, and he he laboured often against great odds in Australia and great opposition in Australia, but he laboured faithfully. Uh, Before he went, um, John Newton actually wrote a little... Well, John Newton actually jokingly called him the, the Bishop of Botany Bay, but um, he wrote a little um, a little poem, you know, The Lord who sends thee hence will be thine aid. In vain at thee the lion danger roars. His arm and love shall keep thee undismayed on, on tempest-tossed seas and savage shores. It goes on from there. But, but this was, they were definitely, you know, the evangelicals were definitely interested in the settlement of Australia. Let's talk a little more about Richard Johnson. And uh, in the break there, while... Uh, the word for today was on and uh, you might have been listening carefully to Bob Gass uh, I was just having a quick chat here with Mike and just reminiscing about a time about 15 years ago it was now I was wandering through the streets in Sydney I was doing some business down there and came across the monument to Richard Johnson and the place where the very first church service in Australia was held and uh, there is a monument there and I remember having one of those moments of reflection where uh, my imagination just was filled with the history of what would happen in that place. And I accidentally came across that, stumbled across it. Now, obviously, people who've been around maybe a little longer than me might have been aware that it was there, but it really is one of those things that's coming to the fore, that there are historical places you can go to in Australia and you can see uh, where these identities have made a mark on Australian history. Those things are greatly important, aren't they? Yes, I was aware of the monument to uh, Johnson in Sydney. Uh, and it was actually Cole Stringer's book. Uh, I actually found it in Cole Stringer's book, and I would just like to, to acknowledge uh, Cole Stringer. He, he's written an endorsement for the book, as has Graham McLennan and Barry Chant. They've written endorsements for the book, but Cole has been a great help to me, and it was actually through his organisation that I was able to get the book printed in China. But I, I knew the monument was there, and so when I visited there some years ago, I actually found, tracked it down and found it and took a photograph of it, and, and many, many of the colour photos in this book were taken by myself as I've travelled around visiting historical sites. Let's continue to take some calls. James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hello, James. Welcome to 2020. Yeah, g'day. How are you? I'm well. James, what's your thought, your comment? Do you have a question uh, yeah. for our guest this hour? Yeah, well, I, I, 
first, I'd just like to honour Vision Radio for discussing the real issues and just, you know, letting people who are history makers get on your show and, and share stuff that are from the heart. You know, like my heart was breaking thinking about Australia and, um, and, and Cole Stringer, I've done lots of his courses, you know, rediscovering manhood and all these things. But my thought kept going through my mind about in the Old Testament, they used to set up stones, you know, like landmarks for significant times. And, and, and I know that other people are writing books. It would be so good to have a book uh, that, that actually told about those events that took place that, that, that revealed the Christian heart. You know, you said about the Aboriginal people and how some of them were so... Uh, happy with the help that they received from the missionaries and um, and even like Cole Stringer was mentioning the other day that with the Light Horsemen there was 800 I think I hope I haven't got that wrong that's Cole. it the 800 uh, Light Horsemen yep well there's 800 but there were so many uh, Aboriginals that were involved with the Light Horse uh, it, itself and and they weren't acknowledged you know like those things that have been pushed under the carpet to be sort of raised up and and, and given the honour and, and respect that it's due um, and so. I've, uh, I've been, my question was, would the, 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 uh, the man speaking, would he be interested in writing a book like that? Is there, you know, I mean, my heart, I've got a heart to, I'll read it, but I'm not someone who could actually write that. I've got my own ideas of books on writing and whatever. Um, what, what are his thoughts about uh, that? He might say, oh, I know numbers of books already, even in the secular or whatever, but a Christian book that just encourages us to say, hey, look, you know, these so- the circumstances look... Um, they don't look good in their outward aspect and people have taken that way, but there's a lot of underlying stuff that was really taking place uh, just to show the heart of God. And okay, Mike, let's, uh, let's hear your heartbeat on that. Uh, would you write a book about this combined, uh, uh, you know, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, working together history? Um, it would depend on many things. Um, on my time availability, on my job, I'm working with the company I work for, so I, I couldn't give a definitive answer for that, but I'm open to whatever God leads me into. And your thoughts, though, on the sorts of things that uh, we're hearing from James, uh, on the richness of that history, on the monuments that uh, are necessary for actually showing those milestones of history? Well, my, my whole thought is that, I, that I'd like this book to be a monument, actually, to, a monument because it, it, it sets, it, it lays down, you know, it lays down the, the point of view that, that Christians are important, that we're not sign, insignificant people, that we are important. And this book draws that out quite clearly. And I'd like to, to think this book will be a landmark in, in the coming years. In fact, I'm, I'm actually, when I wrote this book, I never really thought through the full potential that this book has. And I'm really getting excited about it, actually. I think it's got great potential to change Australia and to change the way Christians think about their, themselves and about their history. Look, I agree. And I have been excited about the opportunity to talk to you today and uh, personally coming along to the official launch tonight. Uh, James is still on the phone with us. Uh, James, uh, one of the things I was thinking while you were uh, just making your comment and asking your question a few moments ago, talking about monuments, is the idea that you can drive through, uh, you know, endless kilometres of roads through Australia and so going through amazing country towns, major cities, communities, and the monuments that oftentimes are overlooked are the churches that are on every corner and even some small country towns that have well-established and very large-looking buildings. They themselves are monuments, aren't they? Do you think of churches like that? 
I do indeed. My my mother used to, when we were going along, driving along, used to say, "Your grandfather built that church, and your, um, you know, this church. She built that church." And my my father was involved in a very um, major uh, movement of a church from an old cemetery that used to be one of the main ones in Sydney, and 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 they used to drive trains through it, um, but they relocated it down to Canberra. And they spent, he spent nine or 14 months in a caravan at a, at a cemetery dismantling this building that a train actually went through. And they had people come from all over Australia to bury their uh, lost and, and uh, um, the, the, their loved ones. Um, and so it's re-established. And so I spent time as a young kid going into those churches. And, um, you know, I'm proud of that history that my grandfather was involved in. Now, I don't know how much time he spent actually in them. I, I believe he was a believer. Um, I wish I had more chance to connect with him, and that's part of history. But I, I mean, like US, UCB, I, I wasn't just trying to focus on the old. The UC, uh, well, Vision Radio, they, they're, they're history makers too. They, you know, God's doing a new thing all the time too. So it's not just all the ones that are past, but it's the things that are ta- happening now. I don't know if, uh, you, uh, if Vision Radio have a book about. Um, the you know the things that they've managed to achieve. You know what? Somebody needs to write the history, and uh, I know I can identify a, a person or two who might have that history in their hearts. But James, just a pleasure hearing from you today. Thanks so much for being part of Twenty Twenty. Thank you, thank you, uh, Mike. Let me just hear your heartbeat on the idea that there are churches in towns and cities everywhere around this country. They themselves are monuments to our Christian history, aren't they? Yes, definitely. There are many monuments, not just churches. There are many monuments. Just about every town has a war memorial or some sort of monument. In fact, I always imagine every town in Australia does, and I've included some of these in the book. In fact, I've I've got a whole chapter in the book that deals with the First World War because that was a defining moment. As we know this year with the, the celebration of the centenary of the First World War and the programs that have been on TV even last night. And and uh, so, you know, the war memorials. But, but one thing I've I've... I've been pleased to discover in the First World War, and that's relevant, of course, at the present day. In the First World War, many of the diggers who fought were actually Christians. Uh, In the years leading up to the First World War, approximately 40 to 45 percent of of the population were were evangelical Christian, went to evangelical Bible-believing churches. And so we can assume that a large percentage of the diggers um, were actually Christians and and had an impact. And and also the chaplains, of course. There were some amazing chaplains, uh, William McKenzie, we know, fighting Mac McKenzie. And there there was, you know, even in the war situations, uh, in the Second World War, the same thing. Um, And I I want to honour Bob Linder, actually. He's a historian from the United States who wrote a book about the Christian history of the First World War, and he's right. I understand he's going to do one on the Second World War too. There are amazing personalities and uh, the richness of that uh, that Australian Christian history. When you mention names like Fighting Mackenzie, mm. uh, who was uh, in all uh, reports uh, the most popular person on returning from yes. uh, from fighting, uh, these sorts of things show us, don't they? That uh, that the fact that there is Christianity in amongst our military mm. uh, really shows something of the formation of our Christian history here in Australia. Yes, the godly digger was very much a part of the First World War. We talk, about, you know, we hear a lot about the Larrikins and all the things they got up to, but the godly digger was probably more representative of of the people who took part in the First World War. And yes, you know, Mackenzie was was an amazing character. He personally led, I think it was about 3,000 souls to the Lord. And, and, you know, he said, I've fought with you and I've prayed with you and I, I've I've counselled you, but I, and do you think I'm afraid to die with you? 
that was his heart, yeah. And of course, the formation of I mean, all of our diggers that went off to war in World War One, uh, the formation of our fighting forces uh, came from this Christian history too. There would have been a response uh, based on faith from a lot of those young men who were signing up uh, to go and fight on behalf of Australia that uh, would have come from the righteousness that they had as part of their personality, which would have been part of our heritage. Yes, I can I can think of um, one particular man. I think he's been featured on, on Vision Radio before, and that was John Ridley, who was a, a soldier in the First World War, and he was quite severely injured. Um, he went on after the war to become a, a very famous Baptist um, pastor and evangelist, and it was because of his preaching in 1932 that Arthur Stace um, got the word eternity, which he wrote on the streets of Sydney for many years, Mr. Eternity. And, of course, that was the word that we saw at the turn of the millennium uh, emblazoned on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, uh, the word eternity, which is really a part of our Australian history. And as you say, Arthur Stace and then goes back to the preacher who preached that message about eternity that Arthur responded to. And, and of course, he's become uh, something of a, a wonderful uh, personality of Australian history. Our special guest is Mike Spencer. He's author and historian. His book is being launched tonight. It's called One People, One Destiny. It's a Christian history of Australia. And as Mike says, he'd like his book to be a monument. And uh, I think it will be too. It is just an excellent representation of Australian Christian history. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil Johnson with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour, Mike Spencer, author and historian. His new book is called One People, One Destiny, A Christian History of Australia. Uh, Mike, we're going to talk about uh, the launch that's happening tonight, but a couple of things uh, before we get to that. There's a couple of words that come to mind, uh, courage and prayer. These are key themes when you have been writing about Australia's history, Australia's Christian history. Yes, looking back over what I've written in the book, the, the one theme that came to my mind very much is the theme of courage, that these men and women who are featured in the book, the explorers, the missionaries, um, the men of God, they were the soldiers, um, they, they were courageous men and women. We, we can't really even begin to imagine how courageous we are, just, for example, just setting out in a, in a little boat to, to, to explore an unknown land or, or setting off into the interior of Australia to explore unknown territory. These were courageous men of God, and, they, and, and, and we, you know, we, we do well to honour them. Are you saying that that courage that's identifiable in so many of the personalities historically actually comes from their Christian faith? I think so, definitely, yes. I mean, I'm sure that there are many non-Christians who are, who are courageous too, but God calls us specifically to be courageous. Fear not, for I'm with you. I, mean, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if we were looking to the future, and we've already talked about history, giving us a place, a context from knowing where we have been to knowing who we are today and looking into the future. What do you do to help shape a future if you recognize the powerful Christian heritage? There are many things you can do. You can be involved in many aspects of society, and we want Christians in all aspects of society. In every sphere of society, there should be Christians functioning. But if you're at home, 
Perhaps you're a homemaker, perhaps you're a mother. You can be you can be an instrumental, you can be a history maker too by prayer. You know, prayer is one of the great unknowns, if you like, of history. We know that God answers prayer, but we can't write down specifically that God answered this prayer in, in an event of history. Now we may now for example, there there were many Christians praying at the turn of the cent- of the turn of the um, well, the end of the nineteenth century, beginning of the twentieth century, there were many forty thousand Christians were praying, and they ushered in a great revival at the beginning of the nineteen hundreds. The same with the Billy Graham Crusade; there were many people praying, and that brought a great revival in the nineteen fifties and sixties. Okay, is revival a part of your Christian history? There, obviously, it is. You're talking about uh, one there at the turn of the nineteenth century, and uh, you mentioned Billy Graham. Mm. Was there revivals that were happening right throughout Australia's recent history? Yes. There were and some of these are detailed. There were there were isolated revivals in different towns, and I've mentioned a number of these in the book. That those two that I mentioned were probably the great um, Australian-wide revivals that took place. But prayer, you know, prayer is instrumental in changing history. We don't always know how it impacts history. We can't tell. God, God will reveal it one day to us. But a little old lady down the street praying could change history. It's amazing when we start to talk about prayer, and we're running out of time. I want to talk to you about the launch tonight. Uh, this is a historic event that's happening tonight, One People, One Destiny. The launch is on in Brisbane. Uh, how important is it to actually have a launch like this and to uh, just highlight the fact that there is something of a new monument that can affect the future? Yes, I think we definitely want to give it a big a big introduction we want we want people to come along we want people to enjoy what we're going to do there's going to be singing there's going to be speeches there'll be other things entry is free so everyone is welcome to come along okay it's going to be at the albany hills christian church in brisbane and uh, if you uh, are in the vicinity and uh, you're able to be at that launch you'd be welcome to go along it's on in brisbane and uh, i think you've simply uh, you know google maps and then albany hills christian Church, and you'll find out how to get there. Seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, that's Eastern time. Uh, when it comes to the launch tonight, uh, you're going to be having the book. Obviously, it's going to take pride of place. Uh, mm. But uh, you've got invited guests who are coming along. Uh, people who will be endorsing your book. People who will be uh, buying a copy of your book on the night. Uh, significant to get it into people's hands from this time forward. Yes, the, the book will be available. The normal selling price is forty dollars if you order it. Um, Online, you can order it through the, the through the publisher, and, and Neil will give you the details on that. But there is a special discounted price at the launch tonight. You can buy it for a cheaper price. And let me just give you the website. Uh, the one to remember if you wanted to get a copy uh, is www.scee.edu.au. Now, that stands for Southern Cross Educational Enterprises. That's www.scee.edu.au. You'll be able to order by your copy uh, at that website. Just a pleasure talking through these great issues today of Australia's Christian history. Mike Spencer, thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.